I love this church. I love having you guys here. I'm excited about the next couple weeks. We, uh, starting next week, we're kind of going to, you know, we started this Holy Spirit conversation. Uh, it, well, we, we kind of loosely started it after Presence Conference because we're all fired up. You come back and you just, just say whatever comes to mind, and that's what happened that week. I didn't have any notes, and thankfully it worked out. And, um, and, but then the next week we really jumped into some things, and we, we began, we started. I, I always start a Holy Spirit conversation at Genesis 2. And the reason I do that is because I believe what first we need to understand is that God shapes us, but then he breathes the Spirit into us. And so many of us depend on our shape, and we rarely ever pay attention to our spirit. So we will get really frustrated that our shape isn't working. Working and we won't realize that the thing that animates our shape is our spirit. So God shapes Adam, and he is, for all intents and purposes, a human being. But he doesn't have life yet. And we are so often trying to live that way. And so we've kind of been talking about this idea. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love shape. He did shape Adam. He did have intentionality with what Adam looked like. There was purpose in how he created Adam. And he does love order, and he does love beauty, and he does love those things. But he understands that those are meant to provide and to, um, uh, 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 to, to cause a reaction in which you go, wow, there is more to this. And so I tell people when I go to the ocean and stand on the beach, one of the main reasons I love doing that is because I'm reminded of how big this earth is. I'm reminded of just how big everything is. And all the stuff that I carry with me just kind of goes out with the tide, right? You just begin. And, and, and so God does love the shape. But too many times we prioritize shape and not spirit. And so we, are, we have the look of something. We just don't have the life of it. And so we see that in Genesis 2, that God breathed. Another word for that is ruach. It just means breath of God. It means spirit. It could also mean wind. And then what you see in Acts chapter 2 is the same thing. So we always start there. So in Acts chapter 2, what happens? And it, it, God breathes into the people of God. He breathes into, and the mighty wind and all that stuff that happens shows up in the upper room, right? So something shifts. So what happens in Genesis 2 when he's creating the earth? He breathes life into the man, the body of Adam. And then when he's trying to start the church, as we now know it, he breathes into the body of Christ. And so what he does is he shifts it from a singular to a plural. He begins to make this about community as much as anything else. So why does Paul major, 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 major on unity? Because it is, it is in unity and it is community that we actually begin to discover what the presence of God and what the power of God actually looks like. Right? The closer we get to God, the closer we should get to people. If you find someone who gets closer to God but further from people, then you, they're, they're probably getting closer to the wrong God. Yeah, um, it, it, should, it should shape us in a place. I, I always make the joke about the fruit of the Spirit. You don't really need most of the fruit of the Spirit if you're not actually in interaction or in community with people. Right? Like, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need that if, you, if I'm not talking to you. I don't need self-control if there ain't anybody here to hear me say the things I shouldn't say. Right? Like I, like, I don't need any, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that puts us in a place and a character where we can begin to live life together. So we've been in this conversation. We've been talking this thing out. And, and next week, we will begin to talk about the shape of our lives. So before we get into the shape of our lives, I wanted to kind of set the tone, whereas we are people who know that the Holy Spirit animates our life. The Holy Spirit is what gives our life uh, a, a, a vibrancy and um, uh, a power and a strength. And But next week we will move from that to what does it look like to live out our calling and purpose and destiny. In a culture and even in a church world that is obsessed, and we say it all the time about your calling and your purpose and your, right, the best-selling book besides the Bible is Purpose Driven Life. And I believe in all of it. I think it's important. I think it matters. What I think what, what most of us struggle with is if we get it wrong, we screw it all up. 
Like if we don't pick the right calling at the right time, it, 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 it's weird because we just we quote Ephesians 2.10 as uh, the, the good work that God has given us to do. And that's not what it says. It says the good works. It's plural. You will do more than one good thing in your life, so please don't get so hung up on the one good thing that you, that you don't make a decision. You get paralyzed and you actually don't go do more good things and more good works. And so, so we will get into that next week, but I wanted to make sure before we jumped into what is your purpose and calling, and I'm telling you next week it's going to be good. I already know what I'm going to preach because it's always the foundation for what we preach, and it's really a foundation of who we are as a church. And so I really would love for you to jump in with us next week as we start that. So we're going to end today kind of beginning to merge these a little bit, bring these together. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 3, if you were at our all-in team night, next one is on December 4th, the next all-in team night, December 4th. But if you were at the last one at the beginning of uh, August, we are now in September, aren't we? Is it? Yeah. Yep. Officially? Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. Um, and so we are in September and uh, Labor Day, Labor Day weekend when the real Christians come to church, right? This is... Um, or the people who didn't have friends and invited them anywhere. Anyways, I'm just saying. Um, no, I'm just, hey, I'm here, so relax. You're good. Um, uh, we, we can, yeah, anyways. Okay, so uh, we, we're going to talk about uh, today, Acts chapter 3. We, we, I want to kind of begin to merge these two ideas of the shape and the spirit. Um, and I think it, it rests on one word that, you, um, that you'll hear uh, as we read. Um, and, and I'll probably call Will up here at some point. In fact, Will, why don't you just come up? Because I want you to share what you shared in our first service. Uh, we had our dinner party um, interest meeting, kind of leadership meeting last Sunday. I think they're doing a prayer gathering for anyone who would want to pray over our dinner parties this Wednesday night at uh, John and Kristen's house, I'm guessing. And uh, so if you want to be a part of that, um, doesn't mean you're a leader or not or whatever. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray over uh, the tables that are being opened up to show radical hospitality. Amen? And, um, and so, but you, at last one, you kind of, I, I actually had said we were praying, and I said, I feel like someone has a word, and then I had to take my kids and go. So I didn't know if that was true, and I didn't want to stay if I was wrong, right? So I, I, so I, so I said, no. And so I said it, and then, uh, and then you, um, from what I hear, said something. I just wanted you to share a little bit of that, and you kind of, your personal journey the last uh, couple months in that, too. Yeah. Well, and right when he said that, I was literally thinking, I wonder if I should say this to everyone. And he said that, and I was like, oh, maybe I go, okay, yeah, maybe that's me. And then I waited for like three more people just in case it wasn't me and no one else said anything. So I was like, that's for sure me. Uh, but just to give you some background, I am like introvert. I'm terrible at sharing. Like I don't get on Instagram and I'm like, hey, look at what I'm doing. Like I just, if no one asks me, I'll just not share anything. It doesn't bother me. Um, so I've been on a journey with the Lord to share more. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. But I think there is a, there's a lot of value in sharing, especially when you have uh, changes and things that the Lord's given you and your life is different. There's a lot of value in sharing with people who don't have that. Like if you have freedom, you should share that freedom with other people. So I've just been on a journey of the Lord just telling me like you need to be more bold. You need to share more often. And what I found is when I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be so bold. Like I'm going to go say this to this person. Like like psych myself up, I get there, and then the person's like, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm like, that wasn't even bold. Like, it wasn't even a big deal. It was just a normal thing. Okay. And so, like, as I've, really the word I had for dinner party was boldness. Like, we just need to share more and invite more people. And it's not really, it probably won't be as big of a thing as you think it is. A lot of times I've found when I feel like I'm being bold, it's just what someone needed. 
Um, and so that's made it a lot easier. And even little things, like I've just started sharing on Instagram stories, little snippets from dinner party. Um, and sometimes it's really goofy, like John was eating, like he just picked up a cake off a plate and carried the plate around and was eating it off of it. And so I just snapped a photo and was like, you should come to dinner party because this stuff happens. <laughs> and like, I just post stuff like that and just showing people like, we're just hanging out. Like, it's not anything weird. It's literally free dinner. And I've had people at work be like, hey, how's that dinner party thing going? I'm like, Din what? Like, what do you mean? And I've never talked to them about it at all. And they're like, I don't know. You post about it all the time. It looks really cool and really fun. I'm like, it is really cool and fun. You should come on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so it's just opened up those opportunities. And then Claire and I were at the Apple store mm -hmm. and we were talking to someone. They're helping us and we're kind of stuck in a process and we're just kind of sitting around waiting. And so we just start chatting. Um, and in the midst of that, we find out he's from Kansas City. He just moved here. He's been here for a few weeks. Hey, oh, Kansas City. And, uh, and I'm like, I mean, I remember when we moved to Fort Worth and we didn't know anyone and we're praying for community. And so I was like, well, this is super weird. I've never done this. But I'm like, hey, you should check out C3. And I actually led with the church. I'm like, do you go anywhere? And he's like, no, I haven't checked anywhere out yet. And I'm like, oh, we also do these dinner party things. It's dinner, Wednesday night, free dinner, come hang out. And he literally steps back and he goes, whoa, that's really different. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, it is different. It's awesome. It's super different. You're right. We do, we do it different at C3. And it was just a great moment to, again, realize, like, sometimes when I feel like I'm being really bold, it could just be what someone needs to hear. Um, and the Lord doesn't just call the extroverts to be bold. For a while, I felt like, no, that's like an extroverted thing. Like, he asked the introverts to do different things. I'm that. I'm, I won't, I'm, I don't, I'm not called to be bold. <laughs> and I've realized that that's not true. So good, man. Again, why y'all letting me preach? And so, like, you, listen, it is. It's this, it, this, this idea that you, we, so many of us let our personality overwhelm our purpose. It should be the other way around. Man, I'm going to make my personality fit what I know God's called me to do. Amen? And, um, and so I, I just, I believe that. I believe in boldness. And so we're going to talk a bit about that. And Meredith told me, she said, I said, babe, give me any thoughts on the, on the message. And she, I probably shouldn't share this. She was just giving helpful critique. She said, just get through it faster. And so I said... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, y'all can say thank you. Y'all can say thank you. That's okay. I'll be bold and disregard that. Um, no, I'm just joking. She, she's right. I get what she's saying. So Acts chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to get through a few verses. We have a lot to read, so just follow along with me. I'm in the New Living if you want to adjust your app um, or just buy Real Bible. But in Acts chapter 3, cha chapter 3, verse 1, uh, we're going to hang out in three and four over the next couple minutes. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. Isn't it funny how we like, we get really frustrated about having to go to church once a week. And then back in the day, these guys were showing up for prayer every single day at three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, come on now. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful. Each day, every single day was being put beside Beautiful Gate as people would come in for prayer. This was his life. This, this was how he maintained his world. This, is, this was everything to him. And he would be carried there and set down. I, the question that comes up to me is, who's at your gate? Where are the gates in your life, the places you go regularly and often? We say we want to see Jesus on every street and every heart, not just Sunday morning, 9 o'clock and 1045. We want people to see Jesus. We want people to experience this church, whether or not they ever step foot in this church. I, I think revival comes not when you count how many salvations happen on Sunday, but when you count how many salvations happen Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday night. I believe that's where we are going. And the only way that happens is boldness. 
but you have to recognize who's at the gate. Where are the gates in your life? What is the, the place that you frequent? Most of you, that'd be work, the street you drive down, right? The neighbors you see all the time but never say anything to because we've created a culture now where you drive in your garage, shut the garage, you walk in your door, and it is your castle instead of your home. You don't welcome people in. You shut people out. It has become what we do. Uh, our neighborhood has kind of changed that a little bit. I love our neighborhood, man, because I have a bunch of people on my street who grew up when it was everybody come over, and so I got a bunch of uh, old friends, old friends, and they are awesome. They mow their lawn at 7 a flipping M. And they, like, they are, you know, but no, I love them. I, I really do. They are some of the best people on the planet, and I am uh, just so grateful for it, because my boys are outside all the time. And what, what does it look like to recognize what's already in front of you? To recognize the people who are already right in front of you. And if we would just take advantage of what's already present, what gate do you walk through? Because God's given you a gate that he hasn't given me. And God's given you a gate that he hasn't given your neighbor. God's given you a gate that someone sitting next to you will never, ever walk through. But you have a gate. And if you would begin to realize that God can walk with you and work through you in that, then you'll begin to make a difference. The one called Beautiful Gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently which means just eye to eye, looking straight in his eye. I don't know what you think intently means, but, but, you know, I feel like it's a bit awkward. If you said someone was looking at me intently without talking to me, without saying anything, it'd be a little strange. And what are you looking at? I would probably pick a fight because I'm just I'm that guy. And um, that's not true. I thought it was going to be a joke because it's opposite. But nobody laughed. <laughs> so now I feel like you all think I'm an angry person and will pick a fight. Just working through things. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. He didn't say it with a period. He said it with an exclamation point. Look at us. Like, really look at us. I think the church needs to be more willing to be seen for who they really are. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. It is amazing how far authenticity will go, not just for other people, but for you as well. Because the longer you put up a facade or a front, the longer you project something that isn't true, the, the longer you are suppressing and atrophying the thing that's actually in you to do. The longer you say, I do have silver, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet the need that you want to meet, I'm going to do it every, I'm going to, the shape of my life is going to look like this. The longer you act like you have something, the longer you project something, the more you are beginning to diminish what God has already given you. I find that when I get honest about what I don't have, I actually get more, greater revelation about what I do. We spend so much time telling God what he has not given us. Rather than saying, God, help me to be a good steward of what you have given me. And it is when I'm faithful in the little that he has given me that he will give me more. Too many people requesting more and forgetting what they do already have. And God's going, I'm not faithful in what you are. Like, do, do that. Just do that. And so Peter and John have walked into this place and they say, look it up. We don't have silver and gold. We don't have what you think you need. We, we don't have that, and, 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 and we may never, I don't know, maybe we will someday, but we don't, we don't have that. And then he says this amazing phrase, because I think so many of us will, we get, this is the problem I find with 
this authenticity thing. And I'm, look, I'm an authentic guy. I try to be at least. I don't, that's like saying I'm humble. You know, I, like, I try to be real. I try to be open, right? Um, but there is, a, there is a place where authenticity begins to move into a place of discouragement and insecurity. You have to be careful that you don't end at what you want I don't have. That's not where Peter and John ended. Peter and John didn't end at what I don't have. I, don't, I just don't got it. What they, they, they stated that as the premise, stated that as the context for what they were about to say. It says, what you want, we don't have. Silver or gold, I don't got for you. But I will give you what I have. And that's the acknowledgement. For every single one of us, we need to understand that there might be something we don't have, but there's absolutely something we do have. We got to understand that Jesus qualified faith that moves mountains as the size of a mustard seed. It is. It has never been about how big your faith, it is more about how locked in your faith is. Are you willing to dive in, lean in, and actually fully take hold of what he has given you? In the name of Jesus, now remember this part, in the name of in the name of Jesus, Nazarene, get up and walk. Big, big, big statement to say to someone who's been lame for uh, his entire life, right? I mean, that's a pretty bold, faith-filled, uh, courageous statement. Um, and and what, what I, I find is that maybe it's, it's a big statement, but what he does next is actually much bigger. It's one thing to say to someone, get up and walk and hope that they can do what you tell them to do. It's one thing to look at the world and go, hey, fix your problems. It's a whole other thing to go, hey, let us help. It's one thing to go, hey, God wants to heal your land. It's a whole other thing to walk into the land. It is something about, hey, listen, God wants us to proclaim heaven on earth, but he also wants us to begin to live it as well. And so what happens here, I love this part. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. I love that. Hey, get up and walk. Now let me help you do it. Right? Shouldn't that be the church? The church should be, God, you want everything. You want it to change. Yes, God, we're praying for it. Okay, now we're going to go and make it happen. It, 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 it's, it's this kind of idea, this kind of posture that says, hey, I, I, I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to believe it. And then I'm going to be the one who stands alongside you in faith and begins to pick you up. It doesn't say anything about the lame man's movement. It says everything about Peter's. Peter moves into and grabs his hand and helps him up. And as Peter did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood up on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. You want people to see Jesus like never before? Then let, him see, let them see you like never before. Be authentic about what God has done. Be bold in what he has set free in you. Be bold about the fact that while you were dead, he brought you back to life. When they realized... He was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. That's what discipleship looks like. You get healed and then you hold on. And we got to be a church that will heal people but also hold on to people. Amen? we got to be willing to walk this thing out with people. That's why we do dinner parties. That's why we do uh, next steps. That's why we do this on a regular basis so that we can continue to walk this thing out. Peter saw his opportunity. Am I doing okay getting to it quickly? Okay, okay, cool. All right, just let me know. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. And then we're going to jump into four, into Acts chapter 4. Peter saw his opportunity. The opportunity came because the power of God. The, the, the opportunity to proclaim the gospel came because the power of God healed a person. 
what, what we tend to do is when we act like we had it all together to begin with or when we act like we have it all together all the time, we actually don't give God enough credit. What we're actually doing when we're trying to act like we have it all together to impress God, we are actually diminishing the opportunity people have to give God glory for what he's done in you. Your story actually has power, but it only has power when you're honest about it. That doesn't mean you stay in the difficult thing. It means you acknowledge the fact that it went and it happened, but God rescued you from it, that God saved you from it. It's the man on a map being lowered in the house. The thing that got people outside the house saved was not the fact that they saw Jesus do it, but the fact that they saw the man run out of the house and they knew Jesus had done it. It is when we pick up our mat, the one that was carrying us into the room, when we pick it up and carry it, that we actually begin to help people see. I, I think it's funny that Jesus told the man on the mat to carry his mat out. Like why? Jesus doesn't think he needs it anymore. Like, did Jesus think, oh, hey, it's only going to work for 27 steps, and then you're going to have to lay back down? No, no, no. Jesus told him to pick up the mat and walk because he wanted the mat to be an evidence of what God had actually done. Don't diminish or discredit or get mad about what God has walked you through. Realize that God has given you enough grace to walk through it and be able to look at it and go, I used to be there. I'm not there anymore. I was dead in my trespass, but I'm alive in Christ. I, I, the mat is your message, amen? Okay, that's not the sermon Acts chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard. So Peter sees this opportunity. He preaches the gospel. A bunch of people are starting to believe it, starting to live it. And uh, they were excited about it, which the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the religious leaders were not happy about because it was something very different and something they couldn't control. Because religion tries to hold it in. Uh, we are meant to be called to freedom. Amen? So while Peter and John were speaking, they get confronted by the priest, not just the priest, but the temple guard and some of the Sadducees, these leaders were very disturbed. <laughs> uh, man, people just get dis disturbed about stuff sometimes. It's, and, 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 and that's, you can kind of know if you're creeping into some, like, that religious place when you start getting disturbed about people getting healed, right? And you got a little disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them. And since it was already evening, well, I guess they got to be in jail all night. So put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. This thing was growing. It was happening. And the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Cyphus, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in two disciples and demanded, by what power? Do you remember this? Do you remember this from the beginning when, G when Peter says, in the name of Jesus? By what power or in whose name, in whose name have you done this? By what power or in whose name have you done this? And this is an important principle because in Acts 1, Jesus says to the disciples, don't leave until the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, you will have power, right? This word brings with it two purposes and two meanings. One is dynamis, which is, 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 uh, is a word that just means dynamite, right? It's this idea that it's explosive, that there's something that's going to, like, really happen and it's going to be, wow, wow. So there's, there's an element of that to the Holy Spirit that when he comes in power, there's going to be things that are just, wow, this is it's blowing my mind, right? Like, it's not, whatever. And then there's another, there's another word for it, which, is, which would be the word authority, so there is a certain authority that comes with the power. When I give you power, you walk in an authority. You have explosive things that will happen in your life, but you consistently walk in an authority. You have the name that is. So we would understand that as um, a police officer who has a badge. If he stood out in the street and said, stop, we would 
stop, right? There's, a, there's an, a certain authority that comes with that name. And so what he's trying to get across here. So when we say the name of Jesus, what we're saying is the authority of Jesus, the power of Jesus. So these guys ask, by what name have you done this? Because name carried some weight. What name? By what power have you done this? And that gives Peter an opportunity. And so he jumps in. He begins to talk about what name. Peter, everybody say filled. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Come on, that, that, that'll preach. The man whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name, no other authority, no other power under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the what? Boldness. Of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. That would be to say, without the shape, without the ability or the talent or the prerequisites or the qualifications, they didn't have all the stuff. They were fishermen that Jesus came to and said, Let me translate. They, they didn't have the shape, but but they spoke with such boldness. They were amazed by the boldness. Ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, this is, this is kind of where I want to get. There's these words that we've thrown around here just over the last couple minutes. Fullness, boldness, power, or authority. Right? We are, we, these words that come along, every time you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, there's things like we talked about last week. There's fruit that he is producing over time in your life. And it is planted under the surface. Quit trying to make your fruit something that is shaped by what you do out here. The fruit of the Spirit is shaped on what's going on in here. It is produced in you, which means it will take time. You may not have joy all the time. You will get growing and continue to grow and it will continue to be produced in you. But then there are gifts that are given out in the open, because that's what you do with gifts, right? They are given out in the open for you to immediately open and utilize. They are gifts that are activated rather than cultivated. So they are different, but they are both purposeful. They are both necessary. So there's these words like power. Power and, 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 and uh, uh, authority and words like filled and boldness. And what you see happen in Peter is he sees the opportunity and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There, there is a reason he uses those two pictures together. Because you don't get drunk with one drink, you get drunk with many. And you don't stay drunk because of what you drank seven weeks ago. You have to get drunk again. I'm not condoning it. I'm just explaining the picture to you. <laughs> Hear me. Hear me. What he's saying, because even the word filled in 5.18, in Ephesians 5.18, is not just this one-time thing. It is this, the, the, in fact, if you translate it and try to do it really, like, really to the letter, it would be something to the effect of to be kept filled. 
And I know we wouldn't normally say that, but to be kept filled. We would be regularly filled. And so the idea, the purpose is that we would be taking a drink often. And then the next day we would drink some more. That we would get into a place where the Holy Spirit is activated in our life always and often. That we are always doing our best to be in unity and union with the Holy Spirit. That he could fill us with whatever is needed at the moment. More often than not, it is boldness. I think there's many of us who have the things that happen on the inside of us. Where God gives us a word. Like what you heard from Will, and I appreciate his authenticity, right, his transparency. I was waiting for four other people to give a word, and they never did. So I guess it's me, right? I find that there are so many of us that know what's on the inside of our heart, and in certain moments know that there's something that should be said. And it is not the issue of whether or not God's given us something. It is the issue of whether or not we will be bold enough to use it. We need both wisdom to know when, where, and how, but we also need courage to go when we understand. To go when God says. To step out when God says. To be bold when God says. And so, I actually want to read a couple quotes because I like quotes because it, it helps me agree with myself. Okay, so, and it helps you realize I don't just make all this stuff up. So just go ahead and throw the first one up here. The necessary, this is from a commentary on, um, on these verses. The necessary resource for God's work is the Holy Spirit. I love that line. I just love that line. The necessary resource for the good works that God's put in you for God's work on the earth is the Holy Spirit. All right, next one. Arthur Pearson, no one, no one attribute is more needful today for Christ's witness than Holy Spirit boldness due to what? Holy Spirit fullness. In other words, maybe, just maybe, God's desire is that the church is marked by a spirit of boldness. Maybe, just maybe, he wants you to live your life in such a way that people aren't so caught up by the shape of your life, but are caught up by the spirit of your life. Because the reality of Peter and John is that they were not completely untrained. They, they had walked with Jesus, and whether or not these guys wanted to recognize it, Jesus was a rabbi. It's why they dropped everything. We're going to talk about that next week. But th these guys had grown up at some level. They just didn't make the cut as they got a little bit older. But they did understand some. They weren't completely, their shape wasn't completely a wreck, okay? They, they, they were good guys. They, but what really marked them in this moment was boldness. That regardless of whether or not the shape was perfect and they had all the qualifications and they had everything together, they had a boldness to step out anyways. Far too many of us have continued and continued and continued to work on our shape, not realizing that what God wants most in your life is the spirit to animate whatever shape you've got. The boldness to step out and to lean in to whatever God is trying to do in your life. And so these guys see Peter and John, and they see that they are filled. They may not have recognized it this way, but they saw this boldness of men who'd been with Jesus. And, and the reality is that's what the Holy Spirit should do in your life. What the Holy Spirit should do in your life is to shape you from glory to glory to glory into the image of his son, into the image of God's son. He, the whole goal of the Holy Spirit is to make you look more and more like Jesus to the people around you. It is, it's why Jesus says, hey, he's going to come and remind you of what I've said. He's going to come and be your comforter and your advocate in times of need. He, I, he's going to remind you that, hey, I've made you, I've created you, you've got this. 
And he's going to give you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. He's going to give you all those. Oh, and then he's going to give you gifts of healing and a spirit of faith. And he's going to give you prayer language. He's going to give you all discernment. He's going he's to do all these things. Why? Not so that you can be brought up, but so that God can give glory because you look more like his son every day. Not perfect. I mean, even the Bible promises that until Jesus comes back, the work he started in you, he is faithful to finish. Until the day of what? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to be working on you till Jesus shows up. So could you just take the pressure off a little bit? You don't got to look like Jesus completely today. You just need to look more like him today. Just look more like him. And it's, what's awesome about it, it's not really up to you. It, it's really up to the posture you have to let the Holy Spirit do it. To let the Holy Spirit actually work in you. And to be obedient when he says go. To actually do what he tells you to do. I want to finish in one part because I think too many times, um, and I think this, this is to some degree the fault of the church at times, because we only model one way of proclaiming the gospel. We, we, we often only model one way of talking about Jesus. And it is usually involves a pulpit and a microphone and a sound system and a worship preceding it. Right, like it's, it's, and this is all good. I think God does this, Jesus did this on mountaintops and he would preach to the people. But there was also an element of the people going and talking to people. There was also an element of us doing this thing together. And so Jesus is, is we need to model that a bit more. We need to model this thing that says, hey, we're going to, we're going to be like Jesus, not just up here. We're going to be like Peter and John, not just up here in front of the Sanhedrin, not just up here in front of the Sadducees and Pharisees and, and the, the colonial. I'm not, not just up here, but I want to do this everywhere. And so to, to kind of just to continue to debunk the myth of the man of God, right, that somehow what this is is somehow more important than what you have, that somehow you don't have a gate to go to. In fact, if we were to really read Ephesians well, the whole, the whole role I have is not to do it all, but to make sure that you're empowered to go do what God's called you to do, to equip the saints for ministry. In other words, he doesn't want me to do it. He doesn't want Meredith to do it. He doesn't want Will and Claire or John. He wants all of us, all of us, because he didn't just breathe into Adam in the New Testament. He breathed into the body of Christ into a room of 120 people and said, let's this thing multiply. And by the end of that day, there was 3,000 people who'd given their life to Jesus. It's what builds the church. It's not one person believing they got it all. It's that all of us understand we have it all. Amen? That's why he writes in Ephesians, everything you need to live this life, I've given to you. So the end of here is, is, uh, is Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, what's happened here is Peter and John have left this trial. They've left this thing, and they, 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 they couldn't get thrown in prison again. The, the guy that they had healed was standing next to them. And so the Pharisees are like, we can't, like, get him. In, like, the guy they healed is right here. We'd get, end up with a, a riot. So, uh, all right, just go away, and don't ever talk about Jesus again. That was the thing. That was the stipulation. We're going to let you go, but you can't talk about Jesus and the resurrection ever again. And so Peter and John go to their community. They go to their people, and they sit in a room, and, and their people, they begin to pray together. They begin to, begin to ask God for wisdom. They begin to pray. They begin to seek God in what he wants to do. In verse 29 and 30, I love, oh, this is one of my favorite prayers. The book of Acts is good. Y'all should read it. Um, it's in the Bible. Verse 29, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Hear their threats. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness. I don't know about you. Um, that does not reflect my prayer life all the time. 
That doesn't. I don't know about you. Maybe y'all, y'all are all looking at me. No, I'm, I pray like that all the time. I pray, oh, bad things, I'm going to change it. No, I pray, like, honestly, sometimes I pray, like, bad things get me out of here. Right? Oh, that's not going well. God, come up with a different plan. Because I'm not the plan anymore. Oh, tough things. The threats are happening. Mm, God, you really messed this one up. Hey, God, hear their threats and tell them to shut up. Right? Hear their threats and figure out a plan B. Hear their threats and get me, help, let me, you know, elevate into the sky just like you did. Let me do the ascension thing. Because I don't want to do this anymore. Right? And that wasn't the prayer of these people. Something had changed in these people. Something had shifted in these people. And I just have an inkling that it had to do with the idea that they were walking in a different power. They were walking under a different name. They were walking with a different authority. And so their prayer goes this way. Lord, hear their threats. Take them into consideration. Hear them. Be aware of them. I'm not denying reality. I'm not trying to deny the circumstance. Hear it. Know it exists. And then grant us boldness to go do the very thing they said we couldn't. See, I, I want to live a life just like Peter and John looking down at the lame man saying, I don't have silver or gold, but I got something. It's the name of Jesus. I know you've been there forever. Why don't you get up? I want to live that kind of life that hears the threats and prays for boldness. That sees the difficulties and prays for strategy. That sees the hurts and pains and prays for healing. I want to be the one that lives in contradiction to everything that should happen. I want to be the person that stands in front of a group of people that when they started hearing me talk, I was the one who had denied Jesus around the campfire. And when they started hearing me talk, I was the one who was untrained and uneducated. But by the end of the conversation, they're looking at me going, what? He's been with Jesus. And you know how I can tell? Not how smart he is, how bold he is. I want to be that. I desire so bad. And I miss the mark. I miss it. There are times on a Tuesday afternoon, God goes, hey, you should go. And I don't do it because, well, what it, I, what I, I got to go somewhere, right? I want to be someone. This is Peter, right? Peter's the one who denied Jesus. Even after Jesus had given him a heads up, <laughs> you're going to do this. No, I'm not. I'm not. Now that you told me, I'm definitely not. And then he does it. It's almost worse, right? This is the same guy. And then he's standing in front of the religious leaders and being known for his boldness. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is take you from a place where at one point you denied him to a place where now you are known because you've been with him. You are known by the boldness that exists in your life. You are not timid. You are not scared. You are not on your back foot. You are front-footed in inviting people to dinner party. You are front-footed in opening your home to show radical hospitality so that people can see Jesus like never before. You are front-footed in the way you talk to people, love people, care for people. You are not waiting for them to be good to you. You are good to them because you have a name that you live under that isn't deterred by or determined by or pre, uh, predicated on someone else's goodness or love or grace towards you. You already have it in you. You don't need to get joy to give joy. You've got joy because it's in you because of the Holy Spirit that's with you and he is making you more and more every day bold. It looks like this, Jesus walking down the street and healing someone because he has compassion for them. That's the boldness that we're talking about. 
the boldness to take things on. I wonder to you, I just, the question for me to you is, is your life marked by boldness? And it will not be bold as long as you continue to be frustrated with what you do not have. To be frustrated with what is not there. But to realize that you may not have silver or gold. Oh well, what you do have is Jesus. What you do have is the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. I thank you that you have made a way for us. And for some of us today, the, the big question here is, is uh, not whether or not we have might or power or strength, but whether or not we have your spirit with us. And the big question for us is how, how can we walk into that? Well, it starts by surrendering our life to Jesus. The Bible tells us the moment we begin to lift up Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets to work. The moment we begin to elevate Jesus in our lives, the Holy Spirit begins to produce fruit, begins to shape us, begins to mold us, begins to transform us into the image of Christ. So for some of us, the question today is, will we elevate Jesus? Will we lift him up? Will we surrender our lives to him, give our life to him? Will we follow Jesus? Will we walk with him? Will we give our past, present, and future to him? Will we give our past, uh, mistakes and our, uh, our failures and our successes and the good things to Jesus? And as we do, the Holy Spirit gets to work in us. And then the next thing is for so many of us, we, we just need to pray for boldness because these people prayed for boldness and then they got boldness because the Holy Spirit filled their life and they began to preach the good news with boldness God we pray for boldness hear the threats but we pray for boldness pray for boldness across this room I'm just going to give you a moment to respond and I, I do this because I, I just believe we want to get our body in line with our spirit and we want to get our lives completely in alignment with each other to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength with everything that we are so I give you an opportunity to respond simply so that you can get yourself in a posture of saying I'm in, let's go and so with every head bowed and every eye closed maybe there's two people that I just talked about one is you need to go I, man I surrender to Jesus because I want the Holy Spirit to get to work. I want to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I want to have all those things always regularly developing in me. I want to walk in the dynamite power of Jesus. I want to walk in that. And you need to elevate Jesus in your life. And for some of you, you need to pray for boldness. Boldness is your prayer. Boldness to step out. Boldness to lean in. Boldness to go for it. Boldness to take risk. Boldness to be recognized by the things you're willing to say in the situations and in the circumstances you find yourself in. If that's you if, you, if you resonate with either one of those two people, if you are one of those two people or both of those people, would you just right now boldly, right? Would you just boldly right now raise your hand? I want to pray with you. If that's you, thank you so much. Anybody else, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, just raise your hand.